0: Yes. Okay. Uh, good evening, everybody. a bit Say a bit L'chaim, l'chaim. Eibshu should help us that uh, the Alan Yonim from Yud Shvat should have uh, a meaningful effect on us. Okay. Yud as we all know, is the, the, the day of our connection to a Rebbe. This is the day when the previous Rebbe passed away, but it's also the beginning of the Rebbe's Nisias, And this is when the Rebbe said his mission statement, as he made it clear that what is the agenda uh, for our generation? It's a very important day. And... Um, let me just begin by sharing with you a vote from the Baal Shem Tov. It's a vote that I read this week. It's a vote that's not so known. It is um, mentioned in the Sefer, Sophness Paneach, from not from the Roget We all know that Rogachova wrote a Sefer, Sophness Paneach, but there's another Sefer, Sophness Paneach, from the oldest Talmud of the Baal Shem Tov. The Baal Shem Tov had a Talmud, his name was Rabbi Yaakov Yosef of Polnoa. It was his oldest Talmud. It's the first Hasidic sefer written, published uh, in the history of Hasidus. It was the toldest Yaakov Yosef. But he wrote a few sfarim, one sefer is Tzofnes air and he cites an enormous amount of the Baal Shem Tov that he personally heard. Virtually a, 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 a treasure of, of a trove of, of gems in his svarim. Note there's a gemorim that there was a tana by the name Shimono Am Sunni. Shimon Am Sunni was a tana who had a thesis. This is his, that was his, uh, you call it his magnum opus in his life. Every time in the Torah, the word S appeared, he darshened, he had a thing with the word S because S in essence, in in Hebrew, the word word S is really uh, somewhat superfluous because S is just saying the, you know, the definite article. But you're also saying you're putting a hay in front of a word. Say, "s habayis." So "s" means the, but "habayist" the prefix, the hay, also tells you that it's the house. So it's really redundant. So he dashed every "s" what it teaches us. And of course, there's an enormous amount of "s" in the Torah, almost every pasuk. So he dashed and dashed, and he managed to get through, right? He finished almost his entire thesis till he got to Pasha's uh, verse Hanan. It says, Es Hashem al-kechot tira. They should be afraid of Hashem. It says, Es Hashem al doesn't say, Hashem al-kechot tira. Es Hashem al What's the S? No, the S is adding something that's can be blasphemous to say that the S is to add what? Should fear anything other than Hashem. It's terrible. And Shimon Am Sunni was uh, totally, uh, you know, he was disillusioned with this whole project. He decided that this oh. is it, he can't go on with his project. And he stopped dashing S. Not only that, um, he stopped and he got rid of everything he said before. This was not the right thing to do. This was not the right, you know, path and to take. And he did not. He stopped dashing He Says the Gemara. Then Rabbi Bakiva came. And Bakiva salvaged Shimon Sunni thesis, and said, "You know what? Es Hashem al Tira does add something. What can you add that, in addition to Hashem al kecho?" You should fear someone else. What did Rabbi Kiva do? He says, you know what? The Rabbi is Talmid This is the Talmid HaChachamim. Ha-cham. Talmid HaChachamim, also one must revere and have a sense of awe. A sense of awe and reverence of. So that was Rabbi Kiva's uh, contribution. He, he said that Shimon sunni should not have stopped what he was doing. There is a way to dash on this as well. The Kasha many ask, What's going on? Shimon Am Sunni is disturbed. He, he he said, Oh no. When it comes to S Hashem to even contemplate that the S is adding something beyond Hashem is 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 heresy. And Rabbi Kiva comes and says, No, that's okay. So what did Shimon Am Sunni think? He couldn't have thought of this that Talmid is a legitimate way to uh, include in the yes. And if Hashem Sunni thought that even Talmid chachamim is not appropriate to include in the yes, so what did um, Rabbi Kiva think? Why did Rabbi Kiva think it, it is perfectly fine? There's a famous, I once heard a vote from an old Hasidic Sayyid in Europe, where I grew up in Belgium, it told me a vote which, he doesn't remember from whom it, it was some a prayer a, a very vote uh, which is also good for us to know and is relevant a little bit to Yu Chvat, especially Duchvat memorim. He said like this until Shimon Am Sunni uh, you know burnt his entire thesis because he couldn't get himself to dash and the de- so Rabbi Keeve saw the awesome beetle, right? This total self-effacement of a yid like Shemr al-Sunni. This is a, ta- a Chochem. After Shemr al-Sunni, he did what he did. He says, if that's what a Talmud chacham is, that he's able to discard his lifetime, the work of his lifetime, only because he realized that it's not Amos. It, it, it just can't be true. He says, that made Rabbi Kivah realize and now I understand what S really says. If a Talmud Choram can be someone who is such bittle, then you should have awe for him too. This is one vote. I mean, this is not the vote of the Vach Shem mentioning the, the Chagav, which also has deep implications because the Yisod of Chesilis is bittle. It's not about becoming a great person, a, a perfect person, a wholesome, as they call it today, wholesome. It's about self-effacement, becoming nothing, negating yourself in deference to Hakadosh Baruch That is the ultimate, the ultimate You want to be close to Hashem. That is the key, and that's the whole Tanya turns on that. When Rebbe Kivis saw the bittle of Talmud Chachamim, he realized that to have awe of a Talmud Chacham is not a contradiction. To monotheism. It's not a contradiction to the awe we should have of Hashem. Because since a Talmud Chokham can be so bottle and so self effaced so transparent to Hashem, then you, being in awe of Him is being in awe of Hashem. It's not a separate thing. Okay, so the Valshemtov said the following This is what the Toldus reports in the name, of what he heard from the Valshemtov. Ashantev says that Shimonam Sunni, you know, said, Well, what are you going to do with this S? What are you going to be afraid of something else? Can't. What does Bakiva do? Bakiva, as we know, was a Baal Shuva. The Bakiva came from, you know, as we know, he was uh, illiterate, he was until the age of 40. And he said that he was uh, part of the what's called the Amaratsim in those days. an Amarats was so spiteful of a Talmud Chacham. They would, as the Rebbe said, if I in those days, right, in the days when I was an Amarats before I did Shuva, if somebody were to bring me a Talmud Chacham, I'd bite him. I'd, I'd, right, I was so spiteful to anybody who represented and personified Torah. So what happened to Rabbi Kiva? He, was tra- he, tra- he went through a transformation. And what, what happened to him? He became close to the great Chachamim of the generation. Salah al from them. So he realized how Rabbi Kiva was able to evaluate through his own experience what it means to be close to Ch- Chachamim. He saw the difference. That before, when he was hateful and spiteful to Chachamim, he also had no fear, of Hashem. When he started getting close to Milcham, he started learning toya from them, sitting at their feet, learning from them. That's where his Yiras Hashem became so much greater. So he was able to interpret Hashem because he had the experience of seeing the difference between what it was like before. He had, he was Dovok to, to Chachamim. He was, and how, what it was like afterwards. So that's why Dafke was he says, this is Peshat in the Gemara, the Gemara you know, the Alte Rebbe asks entirely the question. Moshe um, Rabbeinu says, God is saying to the Jewish people, what am I asking of you? What, not much. le yira, only to be, have yira. So, well, I mean, it's a small thing. So Gemara says, the yira mil se see what? To be afraid of Hashem is as tiny as a small thing. It's, it's quite difficult to achieve that. So they were in the Gabba Moshe. For Moshe, Moses Moshe, So the Alter Rebbe, many before Hashem asked the question, but, but, but Moshe, when he's speaking to the Jews, for Moshe, it's, it's Moshe can say, what, what is Hashem asking of you after all? Not, not such a big deal, only Li Okay, for Moshe, it's not a big deal. It's something that's easily attainable, but he's talking to the Jews. For us, it is a big deal. So why is he using that language? As if it's not a big deal, he knows who he's talking to. What he doesn't know who we are, just a question. Alter so, he says, Well, we all have a piece of Moshe in us. Well, Shemter said, according to what he said before, meaning to have awe of Moshe Rabbeinu that every Jew can feel because when you have a tzaddik, which is begashmi, you can see him you've seen his influence in your life, you've learned this Torah. And many of us have enjoyed the blessings, the brachas, the nisim v'nei the rabbi has done for many of us in our personal lives. So to feel awe, that's milsel And therefore through Moshe, Memale, you have Yeres Hashem. So that's what the Gemara is answering. Is asking, what means is such a small thing. Le What means le Moshe? Not Moshe having Yira. For us to have Yira for Moshe is a milsazutresa. It's much easier for us to achieve that. And when you have Yira of Moshe, we really have Yira of the Ebrester. So, just using this vague Schmack word, as an introduction to the interview of Yud-Shvart. I just wanted to um, mention one thing that. Um, I Maybe mean, some of you have heard the story. I've, I know it was it went around. I posted a story, of a good friend of mine. And I think that story has such important implications to us today. When we talk about to be with betalmidah chachamim, to be dovok in a rebbe in a nasi, I'm talking about 25, 26 years after Gimel Thomas, and we're wondering. What's Call this date is about? Right? Um, Call from. So if somebody can mute, uh, this the thing would be good. I think the one who is the host probably can do this. Okay, so that... Um, I have a friend, uh, he lives in Muncie. I, I, I studied uh, in yeshiva at the same time as he was there. And so we were, became friendly. His name is Michal Chazan. Um, he's from Gibraltar, from the city of Gibraltar. City, it's a country, right? It's a small island between Spain and Morocco. It's uh, right. It's um, part of the Spanish uh, peninsula, whatever you call it. Anyway, so he is a Swedish family. He comes from a from Swedish family that and uh, lived in Gibraltar probably for, for a while. And um, so he learned, in Ishii, he became close to Chabad. I don't know through Chabad in England in London. And he was, he's a Talmud Chochem, my guy who knows how to learn. He's a very uh, special guy. He learned in Montreal when I was there uh, and he was very close to Rabbi Hirschprung. Anyway, so he told me a story a long time ago and recently I spoke to him on the phone, I asked him to record the story. It's an incredible story, which has implications for us. So he described how he was uh, home for, uh, I don't know, for a break, Uh, he was learning in 770, but he went home, maybe it was for Pesach or something. And then he went back to yeshiva the, the the break, the vacation time was over. So he went back to yeshiva, so he flew from Gibraltar to London, uh, Heathrow Airport. And from London, he was going to fly to New York. He had many Kiruvim of the Rebbe, you know, the Rebbe took interest in him. His family, as I said, was not connected to Chabad, but they were observant. And they had a great admiration for the Rebbe. They had a picture of the Rebbe in their home and so on. And they, they were like very happy for him that he was connecting with Chabad. As he was in the airport, he sees, uh, this was 40 years ago, maybe a little less. It's the first time they sold these phone cards. Today, uh, nobody uses them anymore. But uh, if you wanted to use a public telephone, people didn't have cell phones in those days. So if you want to use a public telephone, uh, long distance, you could buy a phone card and use a number. And that's how you could make a long distance phone call from a regular public telephone. And this was new in those days. So he found it very amusing and decided to uh, buy one and make a phone call. And where is he gonna call? He's gonna call 770 he called Rabbi Klein, the Rebbe's secretary. In those days, there were a lot of hijackings of airplanes. So he wanted to be sure that, you know, he has a safe trip. So he told, he called Rabbi Klein he got him on the phone and said to him, "Can you please ask the Rebbe for a bracha? I'm going to be on a flight in an hour, from London to New York. Could you please ask the Rebbe for a bracha? That it should be safe. Everything should go through fine." And Rebbe Kahn says, I'll, "I'll call me in 25 minutes. I'm going into the Rebbe's room anyways. Call me in 25 minutes, and I'll tell you the bracha the Rebbe gave." So he calls back 25 minutes later. Says the Rebbe gave you a bracha. That should be a safe trip. And the rebbe asked, um, "What is wrong with your sister? What is going on?" He says, "I don't understand. I just saw my sister less than twenty-four hours ago. I was in, I was home. He had an older sister who was married, a young a young woman, young couple. And the rebbe said, what is what is wrong with your sister?' So he couldn't understand. So the rebbe he said, the rebbe wants to know what is going on with your sister.'" So he called home, he was a little bit uh, mystified and he couldn't get his mother on the phone. There was nobody answering. So he called his sister's house in Gibraltar and also couldn't get any answer. He thought it was, the, I, don't, I don't know why the is asking this. Maybe the Rebbe just uh, wants to make sure everything is good. He didn't think it was serious. So he, he embarked on the plane and flew to New York. As he came to New York, he went straight to the office to tell Rabbi Klein, please tell the Rebbe that I arrived safely and everything is good. So the Klein went into the Rebbe's office and told Rabbi that this Mechol Chazan arrived. And he's... so the Rebbe, he comes out, this is the Rebbe said, he's upset. There was, why didn't you report what's going on with your sister? He says, what? Rabbi Klein said, if the Rebbe asks, there's a reason. You don't have, you don't, uh, you know, procrastinate. The Rebbe is insisting; he wants to know what's going on with your sister. He was now, nah, he was alarmed. <laughs> the Rebbe is insisting; he couldn't understand, so he went to a phone and called his mother and got his mother on the phone, and she said to him, "You know, we've been trying to call you for the last few days, but you've been flying; you've been in transit; we couldn't reach you. But your sister's in the hospital, giving birth." And unfortunately, the the labor is being complicated. She started to hemorrhage and losing a lot of blood and they can't stop the bleeding. And she's in imminent danger, and the entire community, the Jewish community in Gibraltar is saying, tell him for her. And please, now that you called me, can you tell the Rebbe she needs an emergency bracha? When he heard this, he said, do you know why I'm calling? The Rebbe asked me to inquire about her. She said, I'm shocked. Nobody here called the Rebbe. We tried to call you, but we couldn't reach you. So she, the mother says, how did the Rebbe know? He must have known somehow. Anyways, I told the Rebbe, the Rebbe gave her a bracha and she had a baby boy. He says, this boy today is already a younger man with his own family, um, a wonderful family. Then he talks to his sister a few days later and he finds us the most amazing thing, most astonishing thing. She tells him she was already home, she recovered. And she explains to him what happened a few days ago. She was in the hospital and the doctors didn't know what to do with her. She was losing blood and, and it was getting to a point where she began to feel very faint. If you lose a lot of blood, you become anemic, and she tried to, in desperation, she tried to tell her mother and the people around her to call seven seventy and ask the Lubavitcher Rebbe for a bracha. But because of her condition, she was so weak, her speech was slurred, so they didn't understand what she was saying. She was trying to tell them to please call the Rebbe, but they nobody understood her. And she tried and tried desperately but nobody could, she couldn't speak clearly. She realized that nobody understands what she's saying. So she leaned back and she closed her eyes. She she tells her brother. And she thought in her mind, I'll write a pun to the Rebbe in my thoughts. And she wrote and she thought and she remembered she had a picture of her home from the Rebbe. She knew what the Rebbe looked like from the picture. And she said, Rebbe, please dava for me. I'm in, in imminent danger. When he asked her, the brother Bichol asked her, where, what, when was that, what time? It seems that when he got, when he called Rabbi Klein and the Rebbe said, what's going on with your sister? It was the same time, it was the same day around the same time. So she said, wow, that the Rebbe got my message. And the Rebbe was insisting, what is going on with her? Just uh, uh, when I heard the story just last week, when was it, last week? I said, you know, this is at a time when the Rebbe was thousands of miles away. Today, as, as it says in Tanya, distance is not a, right, not right not relevant to, to an neshama of a Nasi who is not in a Kuf Kashmi. It's in Bakhl there's no distance. So whether we have a shaikhas that we can the Rebbe knows about us and the Rebbe is aware and gives us brachas and is. Is, 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 there's no question about it, and there is, of course, endless stories that I'm sure you have heard. So, these disclosures of the Rebbe today, in real time, in a real way, is is uh, clear, and and um, and and, and we, we have seen this in many ways. Just uh, not so long ago, uh, I just share with you an incident. Um, I'm part of a group of shluchim, the uh, whole campus shluchim. So we formed since, uh, right before the pandemic, actually, we started doing a Zoom-based medrash where Camp Shluchum get together in the morning and learn every morning, learn for an hour, the Rebbe's Mamor. You know, the, the previous Rebbe said, said, if you want to connect with me, the best and the most direct and the most intimate way to connect with me is through my Torah. You learn my chassidus, my sikhus, my mamorim, that's how you connect with me. That's how we communicate. That's going into yechidus. That's the, the most effective way to go into yechidus. So we started a whole business, and then it developed to shir gemorim, and now we have alocha, it's a whole uh, operation. And the Hashem has grown, grown uh, quite uh, substantially. So we've been learning the Rebbe's mamorim every morning for an hour, and it's been um, you know, we've gone through a lot of the Rebbe's several times. There was one maimah that we had learned together, and it was very inspiring to everybody. It's a ma'amar called Roni Vesimchi Basia, and the Rebbe really lays down in very uh, in very powerful words the nature of the relation of a Jew with Hakadosh Baruch with Hashem. Anyways, you have to learn the maimah to, to, to understand how how inspiring this maimah was. And we all decided about, maybe it was 15 or 20 who signed up, we're gonna learn at Balpe. And I had to go to the oil a day or two later. So I said, you know what? People sign their name and their mother's name that you are, you know, you make a chlot that you will learn this mime of the Rabbi Balpe. I got the list and as I'm about to leave to go to New York, I get a message in my WhatsApp from a, uh, some group that uh, Chabad, the people that uh, somewhere somewhere else in another part of the world, where somebody just you know posts all kinds of random things about the Rebbe. As I'm about to leave to go to the, to the, to the oil to deliver that list, I get a message in my box. Just like that, somebody just posts something randomly, so to speak, that in Tavshin Nun Aleph, I think it was Nun Aleph, and the Maimer Rani Vesimchi, that Maimer, that we had just learned and decided that we want to connect with it and learn it, that that Maimer was then published. The Rebbe officially um, edited the Maimer and gave it out for publication, and it was um, officially put out to the, for the public to learn. So there's a Bocher in 770 who wrote to the Rebbe that he learned this Maimir Balpeh. And he got a response same day from the Rebbe. And the Rebbe said, "Goram nachas ruach rav. He caused an immense pleasure and joy to me from, from this news, this report that he learned at Barpeh. And I get this like this, and I'm about to tell the Rebbe the news that there were 15 or 20 of us who decided to learn this moment the same of Barpeh. So I said, this is uh, not tamash, this is an incredible So I went to the oil and I, you know, I read a poem and, then, and I delivered the list. As I walk out of the oil, I get a call. I walking to my car right outside the oil, and a, a Yid uh, from Anash who lives in um, in Toronto he's a therapist not, not a shliach. I, no, I don't know him personally I've never met him uh, he happens to be on a, on a chat group that I have where I post some things he happens to get on I don't know how he got on so he's been connected this way you know He says to me, listen, I know we have never met, but I have a question for you. After years of of being on my group, we never talked. He calls me up and says, I have a boy, a yeshiva boy, from not a Chabad yeshiva, different, another Hasidic yeshiva, who I'm counseling. He's got a lot of issues to deal with. And I was wondering, what's your opinion? I thought maybe I should learn with him the mimer rani And do you think I should tell him to learn about pay It'll help him, in his issues with his issues. So you have to understand him, walking into the oil, telling the Rebbe the big, you a besura that shluchim have gotten together. In my back lands, an answer of the Rebbe, thirty years earlier, to a bocher about this very mimer that he's. The Rebbe had incredible time that somebody learned that. My so it came into my box just as I was going to the oil. And as I walk out, somebody calls me and asks me from all the of the Rebbe has me that this is a right mime. I said, It's funny that you ask. And I tell him the whole thing. He says, Obviously, I don't know nothing about this guy. But if you're asking about it now as I leave the oil, the answer has to be yes. What else should the answer be? <laughs> I don't know what else to say to you. Anyways, just showing you that sometimes you see things. The Rebbe has his ways to send us a message when we we want to connect. Right? It's so it's a very. Um, anyways, I just um, thought I would start with this and uh, say, "Lachaim." The should help us that we should um, internalize the. Um, the things that the Rebbe taught us the Rebbe wants from us what the Rebbe wants from us yeah it's I, I can't say it's easy but what's easy in life not much you know they say singing in the